Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. What's up, everybody? Honey, it's another day, another slay. It is Ryan here with uh, Let's Go There with Sheer and Ryan. Sheer is going to be joining us as well. And Sharjacel. T-G-I-F. I mean, girl, the Channel Q listeners have been getting all of you today. I know. You know, I did the morning show this morning. I yes. can't hear myself for some reason, but I know I'm on, right? <laughs> yeah, okay, you're now I can't. On. <laughs> yeah, I did the morning show with Michaela Gordon this morning. It's uh-huh. a good Friday. I'm standing. I'm not even sitting in my I chair know, right we, now. And we got our coffee coming because it's also been a and you know what? Fun fact for you and producer Justin. Okay. I got an email this morning from Ancestry DNA. They have received my DNA sample. Yes, and I can't wait because Char's going to literally reveal the results when, <laughs> on the air when they come in six to eight months. I know every. <laughs> I know everyone listening is on the edge of their seats for my DNA results. I'm so excited. I'm so like that was when you told me you got that from the View when you went. Uh-huh. I was so jealous. I was like, that is something I've always wanted to do. Well, you know, I think it's important for us to try to find our roots since they've been erased from us, you know, in yeah. the name of Black History Month. Literally in the name so, of Black uh, History Month. Yeah, it's good. It's yeah. good. What have you been up to? Oh my God. Well, today has been just wonderful. You know, I think it's just been a little bit busy with just, you know, work and stuff, but gearing up for the weekend, if I'm being quite honest, mm-hmm. you know, Valentine's Day is coming up. Ciao. The Super Bowl's coming up. It's just Ciao. a whole bunch of stuff, you know? Yeah, but right now, let's get into like what's coming up on the show real quick, right? Let's just dive into the show. You ready? Yep. So today we got a lot of stuff going on. Um, what are touch me nots and why is social media coming out so strongly against them? A new book comes to the defense of one of the biggest icons of the 20th century, author Garrick Kennedy, joins us next hour to dive into the life of Whitney Houston. And of course, we are talking South Dakota, being the first state to pass anti-trans legislation in 2022. So how do we fight back? Lambda Liga is joining us in 30 minutes. But right now, um, let's get into uh, what's trending this hour. Yes, hello. What's up, Queen? You look really great in your black turtleneck. I'm actually dressed up, y'all. You look like... Well, um, that's... That's a word. That is not fair. Shira, you actually look like you're about to swindle investors out of a new medical invention. Yes. yes. How did you know? What's her name? Uh, Elizabeth? Are you about to lower your voice a few uh, I'm about to mess some stuff up. That's for sure. Well, there is some, yes, there is some, uh, t- you know, obviously trending headlines. In yes, let's get into, get into it right now. right now. Arnie Kantrowitz, a pioneering activist for LGBTQ plus rights and founding member of GLAAD, has died at age 81. Oh, no. I know, yeah. right? Very, very sad. Um, he died at a Manhattan Rehabilitation Center. His life partner, Dr. Lawrence D. Mass, told the New York Times this, the cause of death was complications of COVID-19. 
Really? Yeah. I wonder if he was vaxxed. I don't know. I mean, I think at that age, even if you're vaxxed, unfortunately. Yeah, and I, I mean, no anyone, worries. he lived a long life. He did yes. so much as a founding member for GLAAD. I mean, as the work that I I feel like I get to do with GLAAD every yep. single day, it's it literally because of the founding members and what they decided they wanted to I really, know, just, you know, It just kind of makes me sad. I mean, I know 81 is kind of like a standard age where people start clocking out. It still out, feels but, young, too. Yeah. I mean, but Joy Behart you know, is in her 80s. But our elders, it just feels like we... We're losing them. Yeah. They're yeah, passing sure. on the torch. I agree. That's for sure. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's an, uh, the that generation is definitely, unfortunately, leaving us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, okay, I'm sorry to admit, bring up Caitlyn Jenner in the What's Trending Girl. This Hour, but she finally, um, she showed up on Fox blaming violent crime in L.A. on defunding the police. Uh, we have a terrible crime problem here in Los Angeles. Yeah. Um, we have a district attorney, a George Soros-backed district attorney, George Gascon, who's actually in a recall right now. And to be honest with you, I think everybody should support that. They need over 500,000 signatures to get rid of this guy. I want Los Angeles and I want California to wake up. Yeah, so L.A. Mayor Eric Garcetti's most recent budget proposal actually increases police funding. If Caitlin wanted to know that. Well, you know, Caitlin has proven time and time again she's not the most uh, well-read individual. She don't do her research. She just go and tuck her calls and then spew her nonsense. There's also these generalizations, I think, because of the defund the police movement that that has been done across the board when it's not as simple as that. It's, it's much not. more complicated. Yeah, it's most definitely not. And I think the the idea where Caitlyn Jenner decides to continue to speak out against this, really, is she's just doing this in her own interest because she wants to have some sort of a political career that no one's going to ever take. It's the political posturing and also the looming threat that L.A. County keeps getting browner and browner. I mean, that's the thing. The like, crime, the I crime. I just wish she would stay in Malibu and just on top leave of her everyone hill, alone. On leave, top of her hill yeah, and go alone. away. I mean, yeah, what, don't drive? Yeah. She shouldn't drive? Oh, gosh. Oh, oh my what? gosh. Where's the bell? <laughs> oh, my <That> gosh. <laughs> Dark. That was very dark. Okay. But appropriate. Oh, but appropriate. Finally, <laughs> uh, you, know, crime. you know what has been really annoying? Flying, right? And having not being able to drink alcohol. You know, priorities. Yeah. So that is about to change. Uh-huh. Southwest Airlines is set to resume serving alcohol on flights starting February 16th. I didn't know they stopped. Yeah, I a mean, lot of them stopped been, in economy. They stopped uh, during COVID. No serving drinks except some water. And Wait, it, I mean, I was on a... F- well, no, okay, I guess I was back in September. But, but I they like, were on first. In first class, they served. Oh. <laughs> and also, and also I, I feel like they waned on it because it also... I think it was a mix of an economical thing and also a mix of the tantrums we saw every week oh, yeah. coming oh, yeah. out by people with flight attendants getting quite yeah, literally yeah. physically they assaulted. Yeah, they don't need people drunk, too. Yeah, uh-uh. Uh, so, yeah, they will be doing that. American Airlines Airlines is the only one of the four large U.S. characters that has not resumed alcohol sales. So there you go. I'm really excited for that. Congratulations. <laughs> okay, that was what's trending this hour. What's right. going on in entertainment news? Well, the drama between Kim Kardashian and Kanye West is hitting an all-time high, Ooh. and it's time for us to talk about it. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. I don't know where to start because honestly, what it's so much a dumpster fire. It's so much. Um, so Kanye West decided to post on Instagram a picture of his daughter using TikTok, but 
speaking out against Kim Kardashian mm. for allowing North to use TikTok. So, of course, the obvious thing is to do is to post your daughter on another social media platform huh. to talk about and we should not mention, posting her on social media. We should media. mention because he has two daughters. This is North, North. not Chicago. Yes, North. Yeah. Um, well, he uh, basically shared a screenshot to Instagram of his eight-year-old daughter, North, saying, since this is my first divorce, I need to know what I should do about my daughter being put on TikTok against my will. And, I mean, it's it's honestly absolutely crazy the way he's going about this thing because he then, um, Kim Kardashian, she ended up having to, like, speak out. Finally. You know, mm. against this. And she, like, slammed his obsession with attacking her amid uh, the divorce. She actually posted on her Instagram story saying, Kanye's constant need for attacking me in interviews and on social media is actually more hurtful yep. than any TikTok North make, might create. She said, I am doing my best to protect our daughters while also allowing her to express her creativity in the medium that she wishes with adult supervision because it brings her happiness. She said, divorce is difficult, enough on our children, and Kanye's obsession with trying to control and manipulate our situation so negatively and publicly is also causing further pain. But guess what? What? Doesn't stop there because he then goes and accuses Kim Kardashian of kidnapping their daughter, Chicago. So, so like he's so putting them in between here's, uh, here's my Talk thing. About it. I'm here's done. my thing, and I'll be really, really quick, but you know, the kids, it's one thing. I feel like the kids are already have to deal with mommy's past in school, and now you got to bring up dad attacking mommy. Like, yeah. how are the kids supposed to get a, through a full day? And also, Kim, I mean, excuse me, Kanye, let's not act like you want full custody, because then there would be no way that you'd be able to gallivant all around the world with, with your p- pet projects like Julia Fox. And buying yeah, yeah, them yeah. Birkin bags. Yeah, like, get out of here. I just, I'm glad that Kim has finally said something, because Kanye has been getting on my nerves, and these attacks are senseless and They're ruthless, bad. and if she goes in front of a judge, the judge is going to yeah. side with Kim, based on Kanye's first page of Google searches. Supervised visitation. Mm-hmm. It's only Once every hurt, two months. It's only going to hurt the kids what's happening, which is really unfortunate. Yeah, but that you is your team see report. What said about mommy. But that is your team report. We got more show <laughs> coming up next, which, of course, we are actually talking about uh, the latest job mm-hmm. report that has Wall Street panicking, but is there a silver lining for this for regular workers? That's coming up next. The Washington Post is joining us. South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem signed an anti-trans sports bill into law Thursday, restricting transgender women and girls from playing on sports. Am I live? Yep. Okay, so South Dakota Governor Kristi Noem signed an anti-transgender sports bill into law Thursday, restricting transgender women and girls from playing on school sports teams that match their gender identity in public schools and post-secondary institutions. So how do we fight back? Uh, uh, Kara Englehart, staff attorney at Lambda Legal, is joining us now. Thank you so much for being here. Hi, good afternoon, all things considered. Yes, I'm I'm Kara. My pronouns are she and her, and I'm an attorney with Lambda Legal in Chicago, and we are just devastated to see these bills cropping up all over the country looking to discriminate against vulnerable young people. Well, yeah, thank you so much for for joining us, uh, uh, Kara. Is it Kara, Kara, you said? It's Kara. It's Kara. Okay, I just want to make sure. I like to make sure we got the appropriate, you know, information. But of course, I just want to know, obviously, like you mentioned, this is such a devastating blow, right? And this being the first anti-transgender bill that actually has passed, what are we feeling right now? Does it, sometimes it feels like we, you know, we don't have hope, right? Like there's no hope really to get out of this situation to fight back here. But what, what are you, how devastating of a blow is this starting off right now? 
we hate to see the lives and the, the lived experience of trans people, especially trans young people, debated <laughs> as if their existence should be debated in public forum. But I hope, I truly hope that young people and trans people across the country and, and even the world see how many advocates and brave people are standing up to talk about their own lived experience and to talk about how important it is for trans people to be included and how much they are loved and valued and how much value they bring to the community, because that certainly does come to the fore every time one of these bills passes ever, or is introduced even. You know, every time a state house sees one of these bills, there are rallies outside with what I now hear are seas of rainbow masks. And I, I hope people feel supported, even though a minority of people um, are choosing to target this community. Yeah, so you mentioned that this is the first of which that has passed, and I always say, every time I'm on this show, by the way, this is Sharjah Sell, she, her, um, that all it takes is a snowflake to cause an avalanche. What are we looking for? Are we looking towards more of this type of legislation on the table as we move forward? We've certainly seen just a number, an incredible number of bills coming out to um, target the trans community um, this this year across the country, but um, we are fighting back in the state houses across the country as well. Uh, we are submitting testimony. We are rallying outside the uh, the the state houses, and just an incredible amount of power is being put on display here by community allies and and advocates. With that said, when something like this gets signed, what are the chances that could reverse at all? Like, how long would it take for something like this to change? These laws are just, this law specifically has constitutional questions and legal questions mm -hmm. all over it, right? So it's really important to understand that Title IX, which is the federal statute that protects equality in education, protects for discrimination on the basis of sex. And um, I'm sure your listeners are familiar. In 2020, there was a, an amazing decision at the Supreme Court considering discrimination in the context of employment. That case is called Bostock v. Clayton County. But it considered the same statutory definition of the term sex in Title VII as in Title IX, whether or not discrimin on, discrimination on the basis of sex should protect trans people and LGB people yeah. in the same way that it protects women from discrimination in the workplace. Yeah, and if you're just and now, the court, oh, sorry, yeah, sorry go ahead. I wanted to reintroduce you. If you're just now joining us, we're speaking with uh, uh, Cara Inglehart, staff attorney at Lambda Legal. Um, I, I think what's really important here, especially it's something that continues to come up with for me when I think about just all this anti-trans legislation that is being presented. Why are they attacking kids? Like, I think that's the big thing, right? Like, we're, we're seeing them attack kids and, and Republicans and conservatives really taking this on. But it just feels like, why kids? Well, I really think it can be hard for people to understand what it means to be transgender if they've never met a transgender person. And it's really common, you know, to have questions at first and things people don't understand can make them uncomfortable. But we can all agree that trans kids need to be treated with dignity and respect just like everyone else, including every other kid. And I'd also mm -hmm. add to that that it's probably such an easy target because it's unfortunately transphobia is what unites the right and the left. 
if we're being honest. Like, there are tons of progressives that are transphobic and tons of extreme right people that are transphobic. So that's just my personal take. What is being done right now? I mean, obviously, you're continuing to fight. Are you moving on, on to other states that are looking to sign bills like this right now? Well, just to build the hope that you mentioned earlier in your questions, you know, local schools across the country are also doing the right thing. We're see- There's a lot of news and emphasis on the places that have introduced harmful bills and legislation. But there are local schools already creating policies that protect trans youth and ensure a level playing field for all students. And they're working. And perhaps that's why there's not a lot of media coverage, because hiccups aren't happening. Um, inclusion is a good news story. And there's just not enough of those. Uh, but what we, we certainly are doing is um, advocating in, in any state where there is misinformation being promulgated. And we are going in to explain that the very argument that is often entered into these bills in, in the hearings to say that Title IX needs to protect women in sports. We agree. Title IX needs to protect all women in sports. And it does protect all women in sports. Discrimination on the basis of sex is prohibited and that is inclusive of discrimination against someone based on their trans identity okay well thank you so much that was uh, i really appreciate it that was cara Engelhart, staff attorney at lambda legal and coming up next what not to say when you don't know how how to pronounce someone's name we all get caught in this so what do you do that's next (laughs) call from mom answer it call silenced Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Selling a little... Or a lot. Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell everywhere. From their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there 
there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odysseypodcast, all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash odysseypodcast now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash odysseypodcast. All right. In an article for Harvard Business Review, uh, this author of The Diversity Advantage, Fixing Gender Inequality in the Workplace, Rushika Tulshian, shared how a hiring manager directly told her that her hard-to-pronounce name was a reason why she didn't get a call back for an interview. And it brings up the bigger conversation, what not to say when you don't know how to pronounce a coworker's name. Or I would say... Or even anyone's, or what to say, right? Mm-hmm, when you don't know mm-hmm. how to pronounce and you're unsure, what do you say? And once again, I don't think this is just about coworkers. I think it's about anyone, right? And have you been in this situation before? You know what? This is something um, that it shouldn't be rocket science to me, Shira, personally, because yeah. if you don't know how to pronounce someone's name, you just ask them. But what I what I will say, the trap that I've fallen into is I seek clarification and sometimes I forget as soon as someone like yes. tells me like how to pronounce it and then I'll like slip yep. up and I'll forget and then I don't know. It gets awkward when I then have to circle back around and be like, girl, I'm sorry. How do you say your name again? So it's it's one of those things for me. But I, I just. Um, and also it can come off uh, as insulting or dismissive. And also, let's be real, like if it's someone uh, who has a different background, right? Uh, oh, it could definitely. come off as racist. Definitely. Right? It's and, like discriminatory. Especially if someone's name is, it, it might be what you deem complicated and you exactly. ask, you prompt them for a nickname or I'm just going to call you, you know, SJ because I can't say Sharjacel. Like, no, you're not. You're going to say my full name. And as a matter of fact, I know a lot of people that I like grew up with who were like either Nigerian or Indian or even Asian with some traditionally, um, I guess, air quote, challenging names to the American dialect. Yeah, in the end, we're, we all come would. from different backgrounds. Like, even, But I'm saying they yeah. would come up with a derivative. Like, I went to school yeah. with a girl from Ghana whose name was Nanyakwa Borlabi, yeah. but she her name was Naomi. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Like, she said, just call her Naomi. So there is a, a certain pressure that comes with that instead of holding people down and saying, no, you're going to learn to say Nanyakwa. I think that's beautiful, Ninyaka, Ninyaka. Yeah. Right? Ninyakwa. And I do think, like, you know, you learn how to spell it phonetically and, like, whatever you need to do to figure it out. Yeah. But, like, I feel bad personally when someone has, quote unquote, what steams as a complicated name uh-huh. and that they have to like Americanize their name or have, yeah. Like, I just feel well, bad I, unless you, that it's your choice and like you are down with that. But then what's the decision? That's like based on. It's a bit on, of assimilation. Yeah, but, assimilating. But yeah. what I will say is that I feel like we're away from that conversation in 2022. You need to learn how to say people's names. There should be no pressure for anyone mm-hmm. to quote unquote Americanize their name. Well, let's get into these. Isn't this the great tips. melting pot? Exactly. <laughs> the tips are: don't start an introduction by announcing that you are going to butcher their name, right? Like that. I just got triggered from substitute teachers <laughs> taking role. You know, and they take attendance. And okay. Don't avoid saying their name because it's hard for you to pronounce. To be, I've and done to that. be fair, though, I. You know, I've as, done as long as it's not so obvious. But why would you say a name if you don't know how to say it? That's insulting. I rather just not say my name or would you introduce someone like oh this is my colleague uh you know what Girl, what's you your name? Like, how do you spell your name again i've done that and it hasn't been again it hasn't been like people and like me not remembering how to pronounce it i forget people's names all the me, time uh, so too. i am the queen yeah, of too. hey girl 
Hey, boo, hey, how you doing? Like, I forget people's name yeah. all the time. The other one is don't use a nickname without their permission. That's That also, should be obvious. Yeah. That should be an obvious Like, Or just one. the first letter. Like, if you have a, a complicated name and has a C, like, hey, C. No. no, no you don't that, just, like, shorten the entire name. If someone abbreviate. calls me S, it's going to be problems. Like, no. Also, don't keep repeating their name as you learn it. Practice if you need to, but do it in private. What I will say is I am the queen of word association. Okay, yeah. Like, I can remember certain things. I wish I could drop an example right now, but when it comes to names, I do have good word association, like, internally, where I'd be like, okay, you know, her name but rhymes with lamp. you can't even remember a word right now? No, I can't. Oh, wow. I got brain fog. <laughs> <laughs> I got brain fog right now. But yeah, it's it's all over the place. And I think that these rules were uh, dished out for a very particular type of person. And that person ain't me. Uh-huh. There you go. Well, hopefully that helps <laughs> someone out there. Uh, now coming up on the show, a very special someone in the LGBTQ community is getting a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. We'll mm. tell you next on What's Trending This Hour. Okay, so we are back with another great hour. And of course, um, our third Mike Charge, I sell. Okay. <laughs> Hello, Char. Hi. Char was trying Welcome. to deafen me. She done blew up the, the volume in my <laughs> Well, you know, it's a good thing we don't have cameras in the studio yes. because people would be able to see how we have just kind of had to just kind of wing it. Well, no, here's the thing. You know, um, you are like basically the astrologist in the room. Oh. It's Mercury retrograde. Like, it's over. Is it so right? it's over. But isn't it, don't we have that kind of like oh, the lingering the oh, yeah, retrograde? It's like an aftershock. And I think that's what, you know, today brought, the <laughs> yeah. lingering retrograde. Oh, yeah. Um, but coming up this hour, we got tons to get into. A new book comes to the defense of one of the biggest icons of the 20th century. Author Garrick Kennedy is joining us um, literally coming up to dive into the life of Whitney Houston and what are touch-me-nots and why is social media coming out so strongly against them? Are they like garlic mm, knots? I'm intrigued. No. It's not something is, that's not consensual. I'm just saying our favorite girl, our favorite kink therapist is coming to join <gasps> Ooh, us. Ooh, love Gornick. her. Um, I know Shar's super excited for that. Um, <laughs> what? Yeah, so let's Getting get into kinky. our headlines though. What's coming yes. up, Shira? Well, the face of Bravo, Andy Cohen, is about to get his start on the iconic Hollywood Walk of Fame. The Hollywood Chamber of Commerce has released its list of honorees and includes some of the biggest names in film, TV, radio, music, theater, sports, you know, the whole deal. He received it this morning. Uh, Cohen is one of the first stars, yeah, to have been selected for TV. The thing is, the deal is they do choose, but I hear like you, you, pay. All, you pay. You pay. So it's a mixture between you saying I want to pay and then them going, okay, we want you. Basically, yeah. So by the way, my friend works at the Hollywood Chamber of Commerce, Ooh. so... How much Anyone is it? ever wants I to? think 20K. Which my thing is... Is it only 20K? Of yes. course. Your legacy. That's I would, nothing. Yeah, I would like... I mean... But also you have to pay for cleaning and like maintenance, I think. No, really? Yes. That, I know that, that means the Trumps were really shelling it out because they were... I mean, they, they was, was cleaning like, every five seconds. They was wearing Miss Mama Star out. <laughs> but my thing is, like, I would... I mean, I would most definitely pay, but like, even if you pay... Do you pay first and then have to get accepted? I know. I think you have to say you know in the application. Yeah. I don't know if there's like a deposit. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what the deal is. I don't know, but that's exciting. I wonder if there's got been anyone that's gotten it that didn't have to pay. Like I'm just sure. by like I'm sure. maybe uh, yeah. I'm sure. Like mm. the most beloved of the beloved. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm sure. To keep Hollywood going. Yeah. Wow. Well, congrats to Annie on that. I'm going to be this summer. Uh, Jennifer Lewis is getting her star, and I will be in attendance. I've gone to go see Taraji P. Henson, oh. Mary J. Blige, and how you doing, Wendy, Wendy Williams. Williams. You yeah. did. Is it crazy when you go how there? You though? Like, 
It's a, it's a, it can be a bit chaotic, but it's always fun to hear the speeches and see everyone mm. so up close and I personal. I just don't want to stand out and then in that they, sun. They have their peers present, so you never know who's going to be there. That's true. Lizzo was just there for doing for it for Missy, Missy Elliott. Yeah. yeah, Missy Elliott. Mm. So. Well, moving on to billionaire entrepreneur Mark Cuban, who has been coming out and talking about his new online pharmacy that he started, Cost Plus Drug Company, which is competing against other traditional pharm- pharmacies offering 100 generic medications directly from manufacturers, bypassing the middlemen to substantially lower prices. I mean, this is revolutionary. And so it's it's wild that he did it, you know, privately in a way himself versus the government trying to do that. But here he is talking about why he requires employees to be vaccinated against COVID. You know, all the research says that mandates work. And if in a perfect world, you just want to leave it up to employee choice. But this is a contagious disease and we have to take responsibility. I have to take responsibility for thousands of people. And you, you can't just ignore it and hope it works its way out. And so I've been a proponent of mandates in my companies. You are required to be vaccinated. Um, should the, the government do the same for major employers? I go back and forth, honestly. Um, I don't have a good answer for you. Yeah, probably smart if he didn't. He would have been stuck in a ash storm. You think he gonna run for president? This is so off topic. No, we've had that. I've had a conversation with him before, and he keeps oh, saying he's kind of. Your friends? Yeah, yeah, he's yeah. been on the show. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know you were friends with Mark Cuban. Yeah, yeah. he said he was gonna adopt me. Mm-hmm. I just need yeah. a couple thousand. You think you can? <laughs> That's how you get the allowance. Do you realize I've actually paid for like a dinner? I think with Mark, like I not that he we split it. We literally, me and my friend, I mean, were like we're that, paying. Girl, that you, speaks to something. You else. a better woman than I'll ever be. <laughs> just like I, no, you it's like that. you know, we're like okay, I guess anyway. You a better woman than I'll ever be. Ain't no rich person getting are, a free meal from me. No, <laughs> it's not happening. Are we ready for the now? Uh, yeah, let's get into it. All right, so. Thank you. I've been needing this. I've been needing this. It's it's literally charging my batteries. Char has had like seven co- coffee drinks. <laughs> yes, good. And I just Get don't it. know what what the come down is going to look like. How you doing? How you doing? So there are reports that just kind of leaked today. As we all know, you know, Wendy Williams has not been on air since July of 2021. <sighs> oh, oh, my birthday really? month. Leo season. Sister has been hiding out and recovering. We don't know, you know, the extent of everything the that's going on. Or mental health, yeah. But catch this. Staffers at the show feel that uh, the show has lost its luster in the wake of Wendy's absence. And they blame the out-of-touch execs. Mm-hmm. Mid and lower level producers are miserable. This is according to a, a report from page six. They're miserable and staffers feel like bosses are alienating the audience with guest hosts like Michael Rappaport, Leah Remini, and My- Whitney Cummings. How you now, doing? Okay. A direct quote from a source says, they're not factoring in the culture. The all-white management is out of touch with the demographic, which is mostly African-American. And to add insult to injury, we're told that staffers are pissed about Michael Rappaport, who I should mention today's his last day hosting. They kicked off Black History Month with Michael arguably... Michael Rappaport is hosting? Yeah. He's filling in for Wendy this week, but they kicked off Black History. Such a weird choice. Such a weird choice for I mean, talk well, he likes to, he, he somehow has positioned himself as a guy a pop culture talking head from the Bravo Housewives and now he's like hosting Wendy. It's like weird. So the point I'm trying to make is he's arguably one of the most anti-black celebrities. Oh yeah, he's um, With some of his talking points. And so people are miffed about this and you know, and they got Fat Joe and Remy Ma I think next week. Sherry Shepard by far is the best best fill-in co-host. But Wendy, sister, auntie, 
I need you back. I'm sipping from my Wendy Williams show mug today on the show on Let's Go There. And honestly, I'm missing Wendy on my TV. I'm missing the controversy and the wayward opinions. And I just, I need her to come back. And if she doesn't, the show needs to be scrapped. That's the T-Report for this hour. <laughs> Who did you say was really good as a fill-in host? Sherry Shepard. Yeah, Sherry. I'm surprised they don't They've had Sherry, Bevy Smith, our own A.J. Gibson yes. has filled in on a round table. So it's a lot going on over there at that studio. But, uh, I mean, what a way to kick off Black History Month. Whoopi Goldberg <laughs> is on punishment for two weeks. And Michael Rappaport mm. is at the helms of the Wendy Williams show. We're in the upside down. Well, Shar. You being here on the show, you're bringing a fun segment to the show every Friday. I am, and I'm excited. Coming up after this next break, I will be introducing my new segment that has yet to be officially named, but I'm excited because one of my (laughs) colleagues and my friends will be joining us to discuss a very, very important book about an American icon. Happy Black History Month. That's a big... I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. If your day sounds like... We need the report ASAP. You deserve Medella. If you've persevered through... You deserve this rich golden lager with a crisp but refreshing taste. Or if you overcame... Two more rings, two more. You deserve this ice-cold reward. Modelo, the markable fighter. Trick responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Port, Chicago, Illinois. Hint. Well, believe it or not, February 11th will mark a full decade since Whitney, the voice, Houston's untimely passing at the Beverly Hilton Hotel. Didn't we almost have it all in defense of Whitney Houston is the latest book from journalist and culture critic Garrett Kennedy. And in it, he explores the complexities and dualities of the singer's life. Please welcome Garrick to the show. Hey, Garrick. I'm such a fan. Thank you for having me. Oh my God. Oh my God, Garrett, you know how much I love you from like just being on social I, I media and just you following so you. Like, this is such a moment, and I'm so, 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 so proud of you. Like, seriously. Incredible. Thank you. Thank you. Thank and you, you know, we go back to Rihanna, but that's another <laughs> yeah. story for another day. You know. <laughs> but, uh, Garrett, please walk me and the listeners through what inspired you to write this book and why now? You know, I really thought it was important to um, celebrate her um, in a way that I just wasn't seeing as somebody who has loved her forever. I felt like we spent so much time really only kind of talking about the tragedies that befell her and her family, or, you know, we're constantly talking about the national anthem or constantly talking about I will always love you. And I think those triumphs are incredible and they're extraordinary, but there's so much more to celebrate about this woman and what she left us with that I felt like let's have a moment to sort of reflect on how far we've come as people because 
the truth of the matter is part of her story and her tragedy is how awful we were culturally mm-hmm. to her. Yeah. Um, and I wanted to write to that. I wanted to speak to that, but I also wanted to write a piece that says, you know, this is how far we've all come. And hopefully we never do this again. Right. Because we're in this moment where we are having these conversations about the ways in which, you know, we have treated our women in pop music. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like the question that everyone always asks, like authors who like write biographies on, you know, celebrities is like, what new did you learn? But honestly, I want to know, like, what did you learn about yourself while writing this project? Mm. I mean, you know, the, the, the first thing, I mean, honestly, was sort of kind of, you know, me finding my own voice because there was no book like this that existed, you know, on an artist like Whitney. But also, you don't, we don't get to see books like this on um, Black artists, which is yeah. books rooted in scholarship, books rooted in, you know, cultural criticism. Um, and that was coming up so much in conversations as, you know, I would hear that. Well, what, what is their new? What is their new? What is their new? And let her rest, let her rest, let her rest. And I'm like, this is, this is exactly why this book should exist, because we should be having a different kind of conversation and it not be this idea that anytime you speak of Whitney, it has to be some salacious thing. And we're being, we've been so programmed to only think that way because it's all we really have kind of been fed, if we're being honest in a particular kind of way, because so much of her story was these tragedies that mm-hmm. now that, you know, there's been a lot of distance and we have sort of kind of circled back around to talking about people and ways in which, you know, we have reframed conversations. I wanted to do that for Whitney. So it really ultimately was me learning, you know, to stand on my own voice because there's so many people that were going to be expecting a book like this to be a particular thing. And secretly I'm like, it's not, but I also, (laughs) I just have to like kind of trust that somebody will go and get it or people will start talking about it, which I'm really grateful that that's been happening. But you know, there was that nagging voice. And also I saw it every time I would talk to somebody about it and they're like, Oh yeah. So, you know, what's the new tea? And I'm like, oh, God, you know, I wish that we could have a conversation about her that wasn't, you know, rooted in gossip. And we, we've we been unable to for so long, right? Yeah, so uh, this is Shira. Hey, um, congratulations. Have you, you read Robin Crawford's book? And if so, how did that inform this one? Um, you know, Robin's book was beautiful. And what I loved the most about her book was she did that when she was ready. She told us that story when she was ready, oh, but she yeah. also kind of knew that she she had to because this question was still coming up. You know, there was still this um, curiosity, right? Yes, obsession from some, but definitely this curiosity from the world about their dynamic and what that relationship was at a certain point in time. So for her to break 40 years of silence, I thought, okay, as somebody who loved Whitney as long as I have, as somebody yeah. who studied her as long as I have, and you know, these are sort of my last questions that I had, you know, these are sort of the last things that they were left to really kind of uncover. I think the last few documentaries have been really well done, but they have introduced some new, very complicated portions Mm -hmm. of of Whitney's um, story. And so to have someone like Robin, who we knew there was a level of importance, but we also knew that there was a level of shame and there was a level of, um, dismissal around her importance to Whitney and her career that I was really thankful to have a book like that. But yeah, that book was, you know, for me, it was a reminder of, well, look, there doesn't have to be another traditional biography written about somebody because this person is also now sharing their story. Mm -hmm. But what it did give me permission to do was I wanted to treat the two of them like whole humans, which I'd never thought they were actually extended that grace Mm -hmm. ever. 
And, you know, as a queer man, I felt, okay, well, look, I know what that was like to, you know, tiptoe in the shadows in the summer and, like, have your first little fresh, you know, eh, romance stop, or I'm whatever. Stop, Garrett. Eh. Garrett, I'm so triggered. And, you you know, don't have to do that. But, I wanted to write to that. <laughs> but, Garrick, really quickly, because we have to go to break, I understand that you had a conversation with Whitney face-to-face just days before her passing. Do you care to disclose what that was about, or do we have to read the book to get more details? I mean, you know, it's it's in the book, but it's it's it, honestly, it's not. It's there's no big secret about what that conversation was. The conversation was really, you know, me recognizing this this moment that was challenging, but also still me being like, I I love you, I care about mm-hmm. you, I think mm-hmm. you are amazing. Thank you for all you've given us. And you know, the entire time I'm telling her all of this, she's just holding my hand and looking in my eyes, and I could oh. see, you know, yes, there's still sadness in this woman's eyes, but it was still that smile. Because she, you know, Whitney loved black people. You know what I mean? Like she, she sure loved did. to love up on us. We need a longer mom. So to have that moment, despite <laughs> everything that was happening, you know, around, um, that was really special to me. And you know, yeah. there were so many questions around, like, tell it all to us, tell it all to us, and it's like it's. I, I hate to, I hate to like spoil it, but it's not like some whole hour long. <laughs> right. It just was, you know, two three minutes with someone who was also wondering where Brandy was and where Monica was and she knew that I was in the room and I was kind to her and, and that was the moment that we shared. Well, that was author Garrett Kennedy. Didn't we almost have it all in defense of Whitney Houston is available everywhere so make sure you go pick that up. What's coming up next, Ryan? Yeah, Garrett, we love you so, so much but we're going to pivot here and talk about Touch Me Not and why queer TikTok is against them all the way but honey, if you don't get that book, I'm coming. I'm coming for you. Now, if you've been on queer TikTok lately, you have probably noticed a new fascination with touch me nots. You can search it, touch me not, or stone lesbian, and you'll find like hundreds of posts of queer women and lesbians, mostly femme, bashing stones as undesirable or bragging that they've turned their lovers into bottoms. And here's what? the thing: yeah, it's a whole weird. Wait, what's a stone? It's it's. I don't. I think that's what brings our guests oh, in. Okay. Yeah, I'm confused. In all honesty, you know, there's a queer. TikTok that sometimes they get into kink territory that just finds like I have no clue. So we had to call the one and only Dr. Stephanie Gorlick, um, who is a sex and relationship focused therapist and award winning author of The Leather Couch, clinical practice with kinky therapists. And guess what? They do have a new book coming called Kink Affirming Practice, culturally competent therapy from The Leather Couch. It comes out July 25th. Oh my God, days before my birthday. Hi, Dr. Stephanie. Thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me, and happy early birthday by month. <laughs> no, but seriously, I <laughs> <is> am. <laughs> um, I love every time you come on the show to, to to really kind of school us on like this new kind of kink confirming like things that are happening in our communities and the conversations that are happening. But can you break down this idea of a touch me not and why queer TikTok is kind of having a moment of being like, I don't like this. What is this? All right, so a touch-me-not or a stone is somebody that enjoys giving pleasure, but not necessarily receiving it. So they're not interested in reciprocity in the bedroom. They might not even be interested in taking off their clothing. What they want to do is make sure that their partners have as much fun and as much satisfaction as they can. And for some reason, queer TikTok has decided that this is a problem. Um, And I got to tell you, I don't necessarily understand it. I think we should respect everybody's limits and everybody's desires. Interesting. Yeah. Why? 
why is that being called out as a problem? I mean, seems like fun for me. Well, on the other side, I'm, I'm, I'll, say, I'll take oh, it. I'll take it. I feel like people are probably like, if they're lazy lovers, like they don't want to like, I'm I want to play, I want to, I want to pleasure you too, but like, you, you know, not to only, it's like two to tango maybe? I don't, I don't think it's lazy if the person is giving all their effort to you, but wants nothing in return. It's a consensual thing. Yeah. That's yeah. like a decision. Yeah. So there are some people that really get turned on by giving their partner pleasure. Yeah. And I can and I can understand why if you know if I were in a relationship with somebody that wasn't interested in that 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 might be disappointing to me. Yeah. But, At a certain point, yeah. It's not affirmative. Exactly. <laughs> but that's their right. And what that comes down to is a matter of are we actually compatible or not? So if you need to be happy in a relationship, having reciprocity, giving and receiving, then that doesn't mean that you need to go out there and try and turn a touch me not. It just means that perhaps you are not compatible with touch me not. I love that because you have to you really do have to respect people's individual bodily autonomy. You can't persuade or force anyone to do anything that they don't want to do in the bedroom. How did this term come up? Because I am, I got to be honest, I am so far removed from TikTok as a whole. I did not even know there was a quote unquote queer TikTok, but it seems like what, like I'm reading an article and it seems like this is aimed specifically at lesbians. So is this like a lesbian specific thing or does this cover a whole bunch of different gender identities and sexualities? So the the phenomenon that you're talking about right now really is kind of coming organically out of queer and and specifically more lesbian TikTok. But the idea of people not being interested in sexual touch and maybe being more interested in giving and not receiving does happen across genders and across sexual orientations. There are some people that just aren't into it, and that's okay. So Dr. Stephanie Gorlick, I wonder when it comes to like, being with someone and you're with your partner and then it, this starts to be a new feeling that your partner is feeling but it's just like it didn't it came out not came out of nowhere but like you weren't aware of, of it at one point and a partner starts to feel like maybe I just want to be the person that's a giver more and that turns me on more how do you bring that conversation up especially if you're in the middle of a relationship and that could be difficult to kind of put out there and it really could reveal like you said the the sexual and uh, you know compatibility of it all So one way I see this happening in my practice is people using that to kind of kink up or or eroticize their relationships and turning it into a form of power play where you are going to serve me, you are going to get me off, you are going to bring me pleasure, but I'm not going to do that for you. You're going to have to go without. And making it kind of a, a DS dynamic, a dominant submissive dynamic, can make it much more erotic for a partner who might otherwise want their person to reciprocate for them. So that is one strategy I've seen. And then the other strategy I've seen is just really leading into the fact that relationships are multifaceted and multidynamic. Mm-hmm. And we don't have to be compatible in every possible way in order to have a happy and fulfilling relationship. Maybe you decide to open up your relationship and have a lifelong partner who's a touch-me-not and also date other people who enjoy receiving what you want to offer. Yeah, it's really interesting how, like, for different communities that I feel like are open or people that are open, then there's still, like, these, you know, um, being discriminatory towards certain people in their community even, which kind of sucks. But hopefully now this is a lesson that it's okay. You're a touch-me-not. Do your thing. It's all good. Absolutely. 
yeah, 100%. Everybody has the right to decide what they want and what they don't want. And our job is to celebrate and affirm that and help them find people that enjoy what they enjoy. Thank you for that reminder today. We appreciate it. I am so happy to have to have been here. I really appreciate these conversations with you. Yes. No, and of course, I know our listeners loved it as well. So make sure to get Dr. Stephanie Gorlick's new book, Kink Affirming Practice, Culturally Competent Therapy from the Leather Couch, honey. That comes out July 25th, and it's probably going to be everywhere you can get mm-hmm. your books. So I'm super excited. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much for having me. Tanning nasal sprays. Oh. So I I never even heard of this wow. until this is this not my ministry. Article. Yeah. You sure? Do you think I need tanning, Ryan? What are you saying? What are you suggesting? <laughs> it's like history, but don't you? More melanin is even greater. Is it? Even better. Well, if I do tan, I, it will not be through my nostrils. <laughs> yes. That, all right. Go so ahead, there you walk, said it. Walk me through this. So uh, basically, all right, this has been being made popular on TikTok. And oh, God. it um, includes, yeah, tanning nasal sprays or tanning solutions in a bottle form, uh, similar to an allergy spray you'd spray in your nose, right? And are meant to be sprayed up there. They contain an ingredient called melatonin that stimulates your body to produce melanin, the pigment that Melatonin determines... is to put you to sleep. They said... Mel- Oh, mel- melanotin. Sorry, I oh. mixed it up. Melanotin. We did talk about melatonin yesterday. Mel- yeah. Melanotin is what creates mel- um, melanin, and that determines your skin and hair color. People are spraying this in their nose to get more of a like a tan or a glow. How would that even work? Like, how does that actually? You work? know, this is uh, honestly this is the process of elimination. And so if this is want, Darwinism at work. People, <laughs> if people want to do it, go ahead. The, none of none of this makes sense. Why don't y'all just get y'all little lotions and potions? I'm or just gonna tan, yeah, go underneath. I mean, well, you got to risk. You know, we don't have an ozone well, layer. He said that your skin will bubble up um, like a like a pop tart in the yeah. microwave. So, um, doctors are saying that oh, using this could cause. Are you ready for this? Yeah. Spontaneous erections in males. Side effects of melanotin can. So inc- it is poppers. Yeah, it can include. <laughs> <laughs> nausea, flushing, changes to blood pressure and headaches. What? It can also make moles and freckles darker. Oh. Wow. So this ain't nothing but poppers with a little food coloring in it. Yeah. Exactly. That's what so, it sounds like, a little orange flavor. Yeah, they said I'm judging. <laughs> no. They said nasal of sprays. You are. <laughs> uh, so they said that you know, typical nasal sprays should have fine mist into your Whatever. A fun mist? A, fi- a fine mist. Oh, I was about to say. Oh, and it goes into your vessels, into your bloodstream. But this is concerning because it actually, um, the absorption increases the risk of side effects. Because, yeah, you shouldn't be putting this in your nose. You shouldn't be putting pigment into your bloodstream. Through that part. You know what? Yeah. People are going through it in the pandemic. And so if this <laughs> makes you happy, go for it. Well, this, no, the doctors are saying don't go for it. Well, you know, <laughs> I'm not a doctor, but I'm not a doctor. And this, and is, this some is how for people the kids. are coping, I don't know what else to tell <laughs> yeah. them. This is what the kids are doing, right? This, this is, down to the TikTok. Because it's, it's from those Tide Pods to bleach <laughs> to now just nasal stop. poppers. Of, of, I don't know. It's just it's ridiculous. It like, is. like I said, this ain't my minute. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Yes, we are back. It's uh, 
Friday party show here on Let's Go There. Shard Giselle's joining on the third mic. As oh my always, gosh. every Friday. Let me check. My medical bill. Is this is this good? <laughs> That's perfect. I accidentally touched oh, Ryan's no. volume button, and thinking it was mine. All the way. Are you are you listening to the show that hard, like high no, in your ear? No, but I was trying to figure out why I couldn't hear it, and so <laughs> I think I might have damaged one of your eardrums. Oh I'm sorry. God. He'll be are sending you, you a bill. No, I, I literally I'm now worried about you. Turn it down in your ear. No, you down to the channel Q. You got health insurance. <laughs> you ain't sending me no type of bill. Please, please. Oh my god. Oh my god. Well, lots still coming off on the show, including more music here on Channel Q. But we're going to be getting into how LGBTQ plus acceptance is finding its place in the heart of red state America. Ooh. Fun times. Plus, is it fair that one party is charging white men six times the price to get into a party? That's later this hour. <laughs> <laughs> Let's get into some what's trending this hour, though, right now. New data from the CDC has revealed that COVID-19 vaccination rates are higher among gay and lesbian adults than among heterosexual, bisexual, and trans and non-binary adults. Congrats. <laughs> gay, lesbian, and bisexual adults are reported uh, have reported greater confidence in the vaccines, with 90.8% of gay and lesbian adults and around like 86% of bi adults believing the vaccines are somewhat or very important for protecting themselves compared to 80% of heterosexual adults. Who said okay, the same. So, so this is what confuses me about when reports like this come out, because yeah. again, when we talk about the acronym, trans is the only gender identity. So you can be trans and lesbian, trans and gay, trans mm, and bi. Yeah. So this, the, a statistic like this totally erases the intersectionality of that. That makes sense. But just, but I, I know that this is skewing towards cisgender gays and lesbians. So why are trans people falling in the wayside and not getting vaccinated? Or why aren't they including trans well, people they, in Well, they, they did, from what you read, but... I think that something like that needs to include that because, you know, it's, it's among... They're saying heterosexual, bisexual, oh yeah, and trans and non-binary. Mm. Yeah, so... Interesting. Yeah, actually, we did a, a really we had a really great conversation not too long ago. Was it last week when we talked about a study where it was saying that it was like a when it comes to intersectionality, like queer trans folks of color are the ones who kind of exist in the poverty level and, and mm-hmm. kind of get erased from mm-hmm. studies and when they shouldn't yeah. be. And I think this is a prime example of what we're seeing. And I think you should head over to wearechannelq.com where our podcast lives and you can check it out because it's so important. Yeah, just because you're trans and non-binary don't mean you're asexual. We still got sexualities that is that is true you got to work at the cdc char well maybe i will sure maybe that's where i'll take my talents (laughs) well now we've got some uh, news around covid more news um so in propelled in part by the contagious omicron variant the u.s death toll from covid19 unfortunately hit 900,000 today wow less than two months after getting to 800,000 this comes more than 13 months into the vaccination drive as we know that has uh Taken over, been taken over by misinformation, politics, legalities, Joe Rogan, and so really the Rock, unfortunate. Yeah. Kevin James, Jewel, uh, <laughs> et cetera, et cetera. So almost a million people just in the U.S. That is crazy and really sad and tragic. Yeah. Um, so as we continue to get out of this and say we're back to normal, let's just remember all those people who are not no longer here, not normalize what has actually happened. And finally, Representative Marjorie Taylor Greene is mad that the anti-transgender sign she displayed outside of her office in Congress got vandalized. Aww, so, yeah. blah, blah, blah. She said in this video she posted to Telegram, 
uh, by the way, uh, conservative social media platform Telegram. Telegram is just a chat uh, service, but anyway. This is criminal activity. It's vandalism, destruction of property, she said. So when the person gets caught, they're going to be held accountable. Um, But here's the scary thing. She added, they work in the building. Oh, that's what's scary, March. (laughs) That's the scary thing, March. God. She had put that outside... The, her office last February. The sign reads, there are two genders, male and female. Trust the science. Okay. All right. And that was what's turning this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Yeah, radio personality Adam Carolla is being slammed on social media after claiming that people only like New York City Congresswoman AOC only like her because mm. she's young and attractive. It's time for the T-Report. Those pop culture stories trending right now. And you will not believe where this 57-year-old white man decided to say this. He did a recent appearance on Sean Hannity. And uh, here's what he had to say. And here's a quick thought experiment. If AOC was fat and in her 60s, would anyone listen to another thing she ever said? Oh, boy. You're going to step in that one. What do you what exactly do you mean by that? Yes, she's young. She's vibrant. She's beautiful. And everyone's always putting a camera and a mic in her face. But her opinions are idiotic 95 percent of the time. And I don't think if she was a middle aged, heavy set woman, anyone would care what she had to say. I also thought Republicans hated identity politics. And when you think about it, if you are okay with, you know, saying this and saying, like, oh, part, these pieces of her identity make the reason why she's... He sounds she's, jealous. I mean, honestly, like, what are... Did you slide in her DMs and she said, ew, gross? Like, Pierce Probably. Morgan is still pissed have. at Meghan Markle? I mean, you know, I Jimmy Kimmel is clearly the crown victor out of that oh. damn man show. Like, yeah. Adam Carolla, I did not know that he was like this, but it also oh, yeah, doesn't he, surprise me. Oh, yeah, he's very me. sexist. I've... I, it doesn't surprise me. Yeah. Shira, tell your story because I know that you know Adam Carolla in I, some from capacity. Way back before I started Watch Trending, I um, he was looking for a co-host of his radio show, his podcast, and mm-hmm. I was I, I had auditioned for it, and they actually replayed some segments. Like recently, people were like, "You were on Adam Carolla show," and it is weird and awkward because it's so obvious he's being very inappropriate, and I'm like, because ah, I'm this young woman that was just trying to get a job. You know, in this uncomfortable setting with a bunch of oh, men. Oh, so you were like endorsing his misogyny and sexism? To me. Just over there in the corner giggling. I Well, he was basically saying things that made me <laughs> uncomfortable and I didn't know what to do at the time. But yes. Well, I so, said- I really want to say this because Sean Hannity actually, who is a very vocal critic of AOC, oh, yeah. he actually was not picking up what the radio person was like kind of putting It down. seemed like it. Um, and I... Yeah, keep going. Well, well, all I was going to say is that just because AOC is all of those things that he rattled off about her being young and beautiful, that does not invalidate what she has to say. But there is some truth to the optics of her visibility. Why why, why did Adam need, like, we were not waiting for Adam to say it. It just comes off as sexist and rude and misogynist. He's jealous. And And like Ryan said, he probably shot his shot and AOC was like, girl, bye. I feel like, was he... Was he even just like waiting to? This was his hot take. He was just waiting to make this on comment the on the platform. air. Like, the was platform. Hannity even asking for him to? Talk I don't about know. This? I don't watch Sean Hannity, so I don't know what what he did. All I know yeah. is Sean Hannity was panicked over January six, and I'm ready to, to get an answer to that when he was crying on the phone. <laughs> well, that is your T report. Let us know your thoughts at LGT Show Everywhere because, honey, we have clearly a ton. And uh, let us know what you think at LGT Show on social media. What's coming up? Okay, well, one LGBTQ school in Alabama is making history. More on that next. Okay, uh, 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 so are you okay yes. with what this club did? Hell yeah. A party hosted by a club in East London. 
charged white straight men an entry fee up to six times more six times more than black women or queer club goers and some are just not happy they paid okay 152 dollars compared to lgbtq excuse me folks the white men Wait, it was $152 to get per into the person? Club. Yeah, and we gotta say, it's not white, just white men. It's cis-het white men. So think of Maddie Morphosis on Drag Race. If they, if he was charged to do Drag Race, in all honesty, I'm here for... Sometimes we gotta gatekeep some stuff. I mean, I, they charge I, us every time we breathe. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> so others who are trying to get in the cl- into the club had to pay $23. Uh, and non-straight white... Uh, non-white straight women would pay $33. Okay, so here's my question. How the heck was it determined what their sexuality the is? Because you can't police how someone shows up. Yes, you can. Someone wearing cargo shorts. <laughs> there are plenty of gay men that wear and cargo shorts. flip-flops. Don't, don't make it seem like shoes. every gay man is fabulous, no, darling. I, no, no, no. But that's not what I was saying at all. I was just specifically saying cargo shorts. So here's the thing. It was and also, if you're wearing cargo shorts, maybe you it, should be charged for it. <laughs> it was an also, it seemed to be like on the app, like on the site you did it. So you were kind of relying on people to be honest about what their backgrounds Have you- to pay the ticket. <laughs> I'm sorry. There's a lot of jokes going on in the studio right now. What I will say is I know of a, uh, of a, of a party that takes place in New York City <laughs> that charges cishet people. <sighs> Um, a little bit more. I know. I know some events. Um, because I've gone to a wellness event no. that they'll charge. Like if you're, uh, if At you're a wellness from, event. yeah, even wellness because if you, it's a privilege to be able to go and pay well, for stuff like let's that. Let's have a serious conversation. I know Wait, there's um, been a lot of jokes. Hold on, right? hold on, Ryan. Who are they? Who are they charging more to get to? Into? If you're if it's a white, like a queer yeah. wellness space, or no, even like white by anyone who's BIPOC yeah. uh, can pay lower. Oh, I mean, well, that's a accessibility because accessibility, thing. and I actually past, really yeah. appreciate that. I was, but yeah, I, I think from a from a serious conversation, I think oftentimes we have these conversations about like even like queer spaces, like WeHo and the Abbey, and like how it really can be like co opted for like bachelorette parties and, mm-hmm. and and spaces where people are really getting hurt and like just you know straight men, cishet men going to find women there and like harassing and doing all these things. Mm-hmm. And I think sometimes we really have to be really serious about the and protecting our queer spaces when when it comes to just allowing us to have room to feel safe to not feel other to feel like free to be ourselves without worrying somebody in the corner somebody outside waiting to be kind of Mm -hmm. i don't know co-opting our space and be like yeah or watch like as if you're being watched so for me that is just really important and i i you know, so it's funny that you mentioned this talking point, Ryan, because what then adds conflict for me is that even in those spaces, which I don't feel are designated for me, if I'm being honest, yeah. I've had a lot of white gay men kind of trivialize my experience. Oh, for sure. I coming know they up say, telling me that they, they have a black woman an inner black them. woman yeah. in them or running their fingers through my hair I without my consent, Girl, lifting me in the air. The last time we were at the Abbey, they were um, one guy asked me if he could uh, ever do his hair like mine. Um, okay. Yeah, see, and he I wanted to touch it. I don't have time for those types of microaggressions, so it's funny... <laughs> <laughs> for who these spaces exactly who these spaces are designated for yeah. so to uh for context um someone said read their FAQ before getting all angry about this or up in arms. So they did say, we understand these categorizations can be anxiety-inducing for those who are still figuring out who they are or who have low income. But even though though this is a way to challenge the economic imbalance that our community faces, it's also just a guide. Regardless of your identity, you should pay with your heart and your wallet while keeping in mind that larger contributions support their dream, the the club's dream of being a sustainable and equitable black and black and brown queer and trans-led space. What I should mention is the the place that I know stateside that does 
because this is uh, charity based. So yeah. you're paying more, but it's going towards. Yeah, which is, which that mean, makes sense. Awesome. Then. Yeah, and it's also that little blurb, that little moment was like, now if you get up to this door and lie, and you know you straight, and you like doing it, I your just... conscience is going to eat you <laughs> up. Hopefully, mm-hmm. hopefully. Yeah, and so I, here's the thing: I, I do think, you know, there's this really interesting conversation that often we even have here about how we amplify our the allies and the uh, you know accomplices in our community, and and making sure that we continue to show support. But then also, I think it's very important to say, I think it's okay to have some spaces just for us. And sometimes y'all don't have to be included. And that's just so odd because I don't necessarily look at that. I mean, I respect what you're saying because I never thought about it that way. I look at when I hear that, I hear like black spaces, but I've never thought. But I think that also, also exists when it comes spaces, to queer. Yeah. I mean, intersectional spaces as yes, well. Yes. I think that's also really important. Because queerness because, and blackness Because if can it was coexist. a black club, like a cis hetero black club, I would not really necessarily feel comfortable in and it. And I would. Well, because. <laughs> and so for me, you know, that I think even then that goes into yeah. the importance of even queer intersectional spaces yeah, yeah, and why for sure. you have to have those things. For sure. I know I get uneasy every time Sweetie's My Type comes on in West Hollywood and I see a, <laughs> a room full of non-black people screaming the N-word into the oh, air. Please. Happy okay. Black History Let- Month. <laughs> Talk about the nostalgia, the 90s. Because a Netflix sequel to that 70s show is announcing its young ensemble cast, which the new series is set in 1995. Which, uh, if you are a fan of that 70s show like I was, um, I'm very excited about this. That 90s show, it probably is going to be called. I wouldn't be shocked. Um, But... I think there's a like a resurgence of the '90s happening right now, from just fashion to shows to yellow makeup. I mean, makeup. I mean, Yellow Jackets is a great show on uh, Showtime that is set in the '90s, mm. and it's just one of those things Wait. that everyone has to watch. So, is that '70s show? That's the one with Ashton and, and Mina. Yeah, I feel like you yes. know you're getting old when that '70s show is becoming that '90s show. That's strange. Yeah. Well, in fairness, Ryan, if this huh? takes place in '95, were you even here? Yeah. <laughs> I, I or were was, you still cooking? I was I I was like maybe I was two. Okay. I was two. Yeah, I was I was two, and so it oh was, my dear god, the nineties sure. for me it's so difficult because it's like I was born in the nineties, but I was a baby and a child throughout the nineties, so I didn't experience the nineties in the way where it was like I was experiencing when it was happening. I experienced it through reruns and and and, mm. and uh, which is so wild because I came of age. I was born in eighty eight, so I literally came of age in in the nineties. Earlier, we were playing Shaka Khan, Tell Me Something Good, mm. or maybe that was another show as a music bed, and I remember that was one of the first songs that I sang. Like yeah. it wasn't knew when I was born but I can remember being like three in a talent show and Shaka's from Chicago so that whole connection's there but it's so strange Mm. I don't think I know that we're different in age because you're 28 right Yes. and I'm 34 and I know that but I think as an adult I look at it differently until you start running your mouth about what year you were born (laughs) and how like you and just things that you know you grew up then versus when we grew up what do y'all feel about it though about the show? Well, the 90s in the general. The 90s comeback. Oh, yeah. To me, the 90s era, speaking of Black History Month, it was such a golden age of black black people and representation. That's when we got True. all the sitcoms, Fresh Prince, All the Living Friday Single, night sitcoms. Which is Fre- coming yeah. back. Fresh Prince Bel-Air is, it is coming but back. I'm saying that was, was a very particular Urkel? time was for black Urkel? people. It was Family Matters. <laughs> 
Urkel, Family Matters. It's Family Matters. The show's called Urkel. Also, Sister, Sister. Yeah, Moesha, all of that. We had a lot of content. And then that's when hip-hop culture really kind of took over. Little Kim was in the zeitgeist. Like, the 90s was just such a magical decade. What about Dawson's Creek? Um, That was towards the end of the 90s. That was towards towards the end. That was in high school. 90210 was mid. Okay. That's like when you were still cooking in the oven. Yeah. I'd say I watched reruns. And Melrose Place and all of that. Sure, what was your 90s like? I'm trying to remember. Uh, Sure, you were like a teen. I was, uh, yeah, because I graduated high school in 2000. So 95 was, I guess, grade set, like seven. I was okay. the beginning. Uh, I I was very into theater. So I didn't even have yes. that much. I went, like, And you're Canadian. And I'm Canadian. I was in, I had fashion dance show. So I was very into that. You're like Pin 15, the Hulu show. Yeah. Yeah. That's Shira. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but I, I, like, all my friends were obsessed with 90210 and Dawson's Creek. Like, I remember watching that, but it wasn't, like, a huge part of my childhood. Who were you listening to? Oh my god! I was actually telling him, like Janet Jackson, the Velvet Rope. Yeah, yeah. That is an that is an. I but am then I also, but the, I had that, and then I was like Jules, uh, Sarah McLaughlin. I went into the Little Affair mode, oh, yeah. singer songwriter mode. Definitely Dave Matthews bands. Okay. I was like a bit, okay. a bit of that. All right. Now, oh my god! Okay, really quickly, is what? Dave Matthews band big amongst Jewish people? I don't know about like Jewish people, but... No, because I grew up, shout out to the Millers, Matthew Miller and Rachel Miller. They were obsessed. They're twins. Oh. And they were obsessed with Dave Matthews Band But East Coast, Jewish. you know what? It was more, it was an East Coast thing, I think. Uh, Dave, we were into Dave Matthews and I think everyone on West Coast was into Nirvana. Okay, well, it, uh, so producer Jesse says it's a, just a white people. Wait, it's a white, <laughs> white people hipster thing. Is Dave Matthews Band that one band with the one black guy, Darius yeah, Rucker? Yeah, the, on the violin. But Darius Rucker's not in No, there. but no, That's there's what a... what group? Hootie. Oh. I said Foodie and the Blowfish. Oh. So, no, but there is a, uh, a black musician, the violinist, right? Well, you're you're very right. The 90s is uh, back. It was a good time. Away. Yeah, let's wrap this up. Honestly. <laughs> you know what? That's why you got to keep your beanie babies and your trolls. Please, not this NFT. <laughs> yes, we're back. Thank, thanks for hanging out with us on this Friday. Producer and Justin. Oh, you don't have a what? Break. I wanted to ask what was, huh? Oh, it's Dave Matthews bringing it back. <laughs> it's been a you while. You asked for Friday. it, and now it's here. I thought it was like the, the intro song to Dawson's Creek. No, that's, I don't want to wait. Oh, okay, okay. Yes, uh-huh. I love the song. Now, hold on. I'm, I can barely hear it in my headphones. That is not queer liberation. <laughs> okay, lots coming up on the show today. Uh, we've got Whitney Houston's biography uh, biographer, Garrett Kennedy, joining us in 30 minutes. Mm-hmm. There's a new book coming out, and Shar brought him on the show. Yes, didn't we almost have it all in defense of Whitney Houston? It is available everywhere right now. Go pick it up. And Nick Cannon is issuing an apology around his latest Ugh. pregnancy. That's in the tear report He's moments. literally po- apologizing for being a man. Hmm. Is he? Okay. I mean, I would assume. Well, Mm. let's get into that in a moment. But right now, let's get into some what's trending this hour. Uh Olympic speed skater Brittany uh, Bow on Thursday became the only openly LGBTQ plus athlete at the 2022 Winter Olympics in Beijing to carry her country's flag at the opening ceremony. A little bit of an early Yaz queen. Uh, Bow was selected to bear the flag after three-time Olympic bobsledder Elena Myers Taylor tested positive for COVID-19 had to be isolated. So she was the second pick. But still, she got it. Mm-hmm. Um, overall, LGBTQ plus representation at this year's Olympic Games more than doubled that of the 2018 Winter Games, with at least 35 openly LGBTQ plus athletes from around the globe participating. So go team uh, LGBTQ, team queer. <laughs> I was like, what else do I say that's not LGBTQ? 
another word. Anyway. Well, those two aren't necessarily synonymous. We can get into the semantics of it next Friday, if you'd like. An early tease. Now, recent analysis of U.S. Census data by the Brookings Institution has found that lesbian couples earn the lowest median family income as compared to both opposite gender couples and gay male couples. This was really? yeah true, despite the fact that lesbian couples were more likely than straight couples to have traits that typically lead to higher incomes, which include having two income earners living in a densely populated area and attaining higher education. Well, I guess even with higher education and full-time jobs, women still are not paid yeah. the same as, as their male yeah. counterparts. So still got to fight for that. Kind of sucks. And finally, remember Michael Avenatti, uh, who was convicted of wire fraud today and aggravated identity theft for stealing from Stormy Daniels. Prosecutors, yeah, prosecutors allege that Avenatti, who helped negotiate that eight hundred thousand dollars advance for Daniels. October 2018 book full disclosure defrauded his former client by instructing her literary agent to send two of the parts of the advance. That was like 300000 to an account controlled by him rather than directly to He Daniels. really thought his star was rising just for him to end up in prison. No yep. shade. I did, too. At one point, I really was like, okay, Michael Avenatti. I like, really? I like how Shira says Avenatti. There Avenatti. Was, there was just something so sketchy about him. Sleazy, yeah. yeah. Sleazy, like- well, I'm saying that eventually unfolded for me. But at first, I was like, yes, he is taking Trump to task. And he got a smart mouth. I, uh, no. Remember, he was, he was the, part he of the problem. Of when he was on The View is when I started to be like, there's something <laughs> sleazy about yeah. this guy. Yeah. Like he, he's like literally selling things out of his trunk type mm. of all. Yeah, 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 like yeah. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Well, Steal from you, then help you look mm-hmm, for it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was what's trending this hour. What's happening in entertainment news? Child, I'm so sick of Nick Cannon. Yeah. My God, I'm so sick of Nick That's Cannon. That's what I'm saying. What is he talking about? Well, Nick Cannon has issued an apology to the mothers, yes, Ooh. plural, of his children for his part in any, quote, pain or confusion regarding his most recent baby announcement. Take a listen to part of it. And I know I can do better when dealing with delicate and sensitive discussions. So I promise you, I promise the mothers of my children, I promise my family that I would do better and continue to be more understanding, caring, compassionate, like they often show me each and every day through these processes. I know Mariah Carey's like, I don't know this man. She's, it has to be embarrassed. I just don't know we're, him. We're hit, uh, her kids, they're his first. Yes. Yeah. And then he just went off. And he has ruined their inheritance. Um, I don't, <laughs> you know, he has, uh, there's a woman that's currently pregnant right now. She's 20 weeks. And he also just lost a child in November. Yeah. Um, I believe it was to like a brain tumor. But I'm kind of concerned. Yeah. Nick did come out and say that his therapist told him to like calm down with it. Mm-hmm. But he is like deep sea diving in any waiting and available <laughs> consensual uterus, it seems like. And he- I'm... I really am concerned yeah. fiscally and mentally for him well, because something yeah. something is off. It's not making sense to me. Also, it was just I I, I watched the video with uh, Bree. Is it uh, the new I baby mean, mama? Yeah, 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 and it just seemed awkward. Like he was there, like ha ha, I'm here, another one. Like it didn't feel like because he's he, not dating. Like, she's like all she's like all excited and like holding yeah, him. Yeah, I'd be excited too. No, but holding it, he has his hands in his pockets the entire time. It's just uncomfortable. The thing is, he at least he shows up for the maternity shoot. But what I'm concerned about is everybody's talking about how much money this man makes. But to it's be not a that parent, much. but to be, I mean, Nick does have 50 he, million I jobs. Say, he makes a lot. Um, like, and he owns. Isn't he? Doesn't isn't he in charge of Nickelodeon? 
Well, he, he's, you know, there was that whole like Team Nick situation. But I don't know if Team right. Nick. He might be an example. Well, nevertheless, yeah. even if he had all the money in the world, a child needs the emotional connection to their exactly. father. Exactly. Yeah. That was my big thing about like you're you're sowing your seed in all these spots, mm. and you're not going to be able to show up like when no. when your yeah. kids have recitals, when your kids have games. No. No. Yeah. They're going to be like, well, dad's nowhere to be found. Because you're either going to be working or with another exactly. child. Exactly. And so it's you're creating a mess for yourself that you're really going to really be. I think he's going to be disappointed in himself down the we'll line see. Yep. doesn't appear that women have any trouble joining this sorority because I mean it's a meal ticket Not I'm not calling the babies a meal ticket remember when Wendy got in trouble for calling Evelyn Lozada's <laughs> son a cash register that's not what I'm saying but these these women clearly have no object- objection to joining this sorority of baby mamas I don't want to be a part of the sorority Omega Phi Nick like that doesn't make me feel I like thought I you were about to say there's something not else. A, there's no perks well, and then also what I'm concerned about, uh, not to go down this road, but sexual health. When you're going around dipping it, you know, like that, a baby is actually the least of your worries. I mean. And we, and that's the tea report for this okay. hour. And for the rest of the show, if you, well, you want to actually mm-hmm. check out uh, wearechannelq.com to check out all the tea reports that we've covered, head over to the website. And, of course, keep us followed on social media at LGT Show. Okay, well, speaking of uh, your sexual preferences, what you're into, what are... Touch me nots. Why is queer TikTok against them? Stop touching me, Shira. Okay, we're wrapping up the shows we always do with our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. So this one um, is a really beautiful emotional moment where Oprah Winfrey revealed the cast of the Color Purple musical film and surprised Danielle Brooks. And the moment was caught on camera. Here it is. I am here representing all things purple tell you that you are our <laughs> Sophia Sophia. <laughs> Such a pretty name. Sophia Sophia. Yes, it is. I'm so happy to pass whatever baton from 35, almost 40 years ago to uh, you. And I know you're going to kill it. I don't know what to be more excited about. Mm. Uh, like, you know, the Wicked movie with uh, Ariana Grande and Cynthia Riva. Oh, yeah. And then also the Color Purple music. I mean, theater gays are just winning across the world, and I am very excited. You told Hoppo to beat me. <laughs> Wait, so we'll discuss this after. That is Miss Sophia's famous line from the yeah. Color Purple. Justin would know because he's the only person in the room aside from myself who's seen the film, correct? I've seen it a long time ago. I saw it a long time ago, but but you know, Brooks had played Sophia in the Broadway musical revival in 2015 nice. and got a nomi- uh, Tony nomination for her performance. No, it's going to be good. The Color Purple is a staple yeah. and it is such a great, it tells such a great tale of feminism, sisterhood, and a rise above an oppressive man named Mista. This cast is okay, Danny Glover. Celebrity cast, and I can't wait for it to get all the incredible award-winning buzz that it deserves. Oh yeah, um, because it's just going to be beautiful to see. And, and Oprah doing the announcement, it just makes sense. Full circle, yeah, full circle. It's well, good. Great moment to end the show on our Yes Queen of the Day. Yes, Queen. And that also does it for our show today. 
But we're back Monday, weekdays here on Channel Q, 2 to 6 p.m. Pacific, 5 to 9 p.m. Eastern Live. Again, thank you to Shara Giselle for being here on the third mic. As always, you make everything so much sweeter. I mean, that's one way to put it. <laughs> we like Shara's having you not on. Lying you, up. You, know that, right? <laughs> you make you make it a lot of fun, and we love having you on. So thank you as always. Oh, Thanks goodness. for having me. I'll see you all next Friday. Yeah, and Achar uh, says so, where you do your Sunday IG live, right? Yeah, but this Sunday's canceled. Okay, but go and check my what I did this morning. Okay. I was in studio for an hour and a half TGIF running my mouth. With yep. There you go. <laughs> Follow her everywhere. Social media at Char says so. Uh, and that does it for, yeah, the show. We'll see you on Monday. And, of course, stick around for some more music here on Channel Q. We are sending you love and light. And, honey, remember to slay. Oh, yeah, we've got a podcast. Let's go there yeah, on the Odyssey app. Yeah, we do have that, too. <laughs> see you next week. Bye, y'all. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month without a pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.